My guest today is Samit Sarkar. He's here to talk about his review of Destiny 2. My name is Justin McElroy, and you're listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Hey, Samit, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Justin. It's really fun to be here with you to talk about Destiny 2 and my review and progress of it. I feel like we only talk when a Destiny something comes out, Samit. It's tragic. Well, I'm sorry. It's just how I relate to everyone. Uh, I want to hear about everything Destiny 2 related. We got a ton of questions from folks. Uh, but first, my question is this. We, uh, we played this game at a review event, something that... We uh, traditionally kind of issued for a while um, that did not we, – we went to a lot of them when Polygon started and we started kind of avoiding them. Um, so I was wondering if you could tell me like about this event and sort of how you approached the, uh, the event. Sure. So this was a, an event held in mid-August at a, uh, a hotel. It was uh, basically right across the street from Bungie's office. Uh, their headquarters in uh, Bellevue, Washington, which is a suburb of Seattle. And it was a uh, three-day event. So I went there on uh, a Monday, you know, in the sort of afternoon. And we started playing that night for a little bit. And then we played all day Tuesday and all day Wednesday. They let us play through about three-quarters of the campaign. And then we spent a bunch of time doing open-world activities like public events and patrol missions and things. And we also played about three hours of the Crucible. Um, did uh, What were the, the big – since your time was limited, uh, did, did you – first off, did, was that stressful for you? Is that something that put more pressure on you, did you feel like? Absolutely. I mean, it's stressful in general just because, you know, I, I'm going there for Polygon and, you know, obviously we spent a lot of money to send me to this event uh, for, you know – lodging and travel and such and so uh you know there's the pressure just from that and the pressure to to want to see as much of the game as i can in order to provide as much coverage as possible for polygon's readers you know i really wanted to get a sense of uh everything that i could unfortunately i didn't have the time to do any of the strikes because they were pretty you know they they required you to to get to a relatively high level that I, I wasn't able to get to uh, and and also I just ran out of time so that you know that's that's one thing that I, I wish I'd been able to see but yeah it, you know for people who might be listening to this and thinking oh man it just sounds awesome to be able to just sit in a room and play destiny for 3 days uh, destiny 2 sure i mean i obviously it's it's a a privilege but it is literally you know in you sitting in a darkened room for like nine hours except for a lunch break and just playing destiny two with like about 90 other members of the press. <laughs> that sounds wild. What, um, uh, did, when you're at an event like this with so many other like gaming press people, uh, in the off hours, does the chat seem to turn towards the game? Like it's sort of a shared experience everybody's having. I, I would worry, I think in that context that my views would sort of be colored by, sort of what other people were, were saying. It's true that we, we definitely talked a lot about Destiny, even when we weren't playing, you know, whether it was on lunch breaks or, or just after the event ended for a particular night. Um, but I think it's it's just part of 
being a critic. Uh, I, I think, uh, as in my experience, a lot of reviewers talk to each other when they're reviewing games about how things are going. Sometimes it's just for, you know, figuring things out if they're stuck or something like that. But, you know, uh, it, I, it's funny that you mention this because at one point a, a person from another outlet turned to me and, and just was like, I'm not crazy, but this is good, right? Like, I think there's the sense that, you know, we're all at this event and, and there is kind of the worry when you are at a, a you know, big kind of glitzy publisher produced, uh, you know, press event like this, that you are, even if it's um, unconsciously, that you are uh, influenced by just the, the sort of trappings of the event to give the game you know, more leeway or, 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 you know, be more kind to it than you would be in a, a more traditional setting, a more normal setting, just playing the game by yourself uh, in the office or whatever. And so I think it's, it's the job of a critic to kind of um, keep those impulses at bay and, and be able to form their own opinions um, despite all the sort of external stuff. Um, uh, tell me a little bit, and I do want to get in the meat of this review, but first, uh, tell me a little bit about your, uh, uh, sort of baggage that you're bringing to this for regarding destiny. Sure. I started playing destiny at launch. Um, I knew it was, you know, it had issues, uh, but there was something that, that really pulled me in and, and kept me going. So I, I played a whole lot of destiny. Um, I didn't do the original review that was handled by, uh, our then reviews editor, Arthur Geese and, uh, deputy reviews editor, Phil Kohler. Uh, but they disliked the game so much that by the time the first expansion, The Dark Below, rolled around, and I think it was maybe December of 2014, three months later, um, I I was still playing, and they were like, oh, please, Summit, please go ahead and take this off our hands. <laughs> so I ended up reviewing The Dark Below, the first expansion, as well as the second expansion, House of Wolves, which came out in, I believe, May of 2015. And those two were, were well, The Dark Below was not great, and House of Wolves was marginally better than the original game. And then uh, I co-reviewed The Taken King, which came out a year after Destiny in September 2015, with Griffin McElroy, uh, who you may know. And we we um, we thought that the, the Taken King was, was a giant leap forward for Destiny, and then there was the fourth expansion, Rise of Iron, which came out a year after that in September 2016. Uh, I didn't do that review. That was Russ Frushdick, I believe. And that was because I'd kind of fallen off of Destiny by that point. I, I played through a lot of the Taken King. had kind of gotten burned out, spending a lot of time with it. And while I played through the Rise of Iron campaign and you know some strikes and things, I never actually touched the raid in that game. I played all the previous raids. But overall, I've, I've played something like you know, 220 plus hours of, of Destiny 1. Our, uh, we've got a, a bunch of questions from people, and I want to uh, touch on on one here specifically to start off with. Uh, it's from Matt. It says, having not caught the Destiny hype, what new things does Destiny 2 offer to help secure my attention this time? It, it was an interesting problem. Uh, this is me editorializing now. This is an, uh, It was an interesting problem for those of us who like stayed with Destiny to try to convince people who had maybe checked it out at first or skipped it entirely that like, no, really, it's a very good video game now that you should play and enjoy that now it's a good video game to play. Um, what would you say about Destiny 2 to someone who didn't stick with Destiny 1? That's a really good question. So I would say from the beginning that Destiny 2 has a really strong opening in terms of the campaign mission that uh, people may have played in the beta. 
uh, which is called Homecoming. Um, it, it opens with a, a strong event, and it's an event that is the sort of uh, catalyzing event for the entire story. It's, it's, it's this propulsive force. Uh, namely, it's this cabal invasion of Earth that destroys the last city, which was you know, your sort of home base in the original Destiny. And instantly it establishes this villain for the Destiny 2 story, this, uh, this cabal dude, uh, Dominus Gaul, who wants to take the Traveler's light for, for himself. He's really mad that the Traveler decided to choose humanity and guardians to, to give its light to because he feels that humans are inferior beings and all this other stuff. And, you know, just out of the gate, uh, it's just, it, it just gives you a, a sense of, of a story and a, and a reason to keep playing, which the original Destiny just completely failed at from the get-go. And so for people who care about story, it's way better in Destiny 2. I'm not going to say it's like an amazing narrative, but it's it's a you know sort of bog-standard sci-fi story that, that uh, pulls you through. So there's that. Uh, and then there was so much nonsense that was involved with playing Destiny, the original game. There was all this stuff that was confusing to players. It, it, it failed to communicate to people. People had to go online to Reddit or forums to figure out how to play the game, and and there were all these just roadblocks in the way of fun. And what I would say about Destiny 2 is that it's basically like Destiny, but without all that nonsense. Bungie has really removed a lot of these roadblocks. They've streamlined the game in terms of its progression and just you know how you get around the world. There's so much about Destiny 1 that was great, like the actual act of playing it was a ton of fun and, and still is, and people never really complain about that, that stuff, just how, how it felt to shoot aliens. But in this game, Destiny 2, there is that stuff, but it's without all the, the baggage, you, all the bad stuff that you may have heard about Destiny 1. All right, we're going to get deep into Destiny 2, uh, but first I want to take a quick break to tell you about the art of shaving. There is a brand new art of shaving uh, uh, bourbon-inspired collection in celebration of the new movie Kingsman: The Golden Circle, which is coming to theater September twenty-second. It's inspired by the Kingsman movie, and it's uh, thoughtfully created to celebrate uh, the best of the modern gentleman. What's the smell going to be like? I hear you asking, Submit. Well, let me tell you. It combines a rich, woodsy base with a hint of vanilla. The bourbon amber scent evokes both heritage and tradition, which is a tall order for fragrance, but, I mean, it wouldn't be in here if it weren't true, right? Uh, you can see the new movie, Kingsman, The Golden Circle, in theaters at 22nd, as I mentioned. Our listeners will receive 15% off their first order at The Art of Shaving and get free shipping by using the promo code QUALITY. Now, if you want to get this offer, you go online to theartofshaving.com and use this special promo code quality to get 15% off your first order and free shipping. Uh, it It is uh, perfectly suited for people with tough beards, and it's formulated with skin conditioners and essential oils. The shaving cream helps hydrate and soften your beard hair for a close and comfortable shave. You can try it for yourself at theartofshaving.com and use the code quality. Now, submit uh, this first question comes to us from Kevin Fowler. Destiny 1 seemed like two separate games, a narrative shooter and a pleasant shoot-to-loot victory lap. Does D2 do a better job of combining the two? Um, it was always the sense that I got playing the first Destiny that you, the story was something you sort of did and then left 
far in the distance and it never sort of come, came and found you again. Is it, uh, is, is it better interwoven this time? Absolutely. So the best example of this, I think, for Destiny 1 was the Grimoire cards. People who don't know, um, the, 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 the Destiny universe is filled with all this lore and backstory that Bungie's writers wrote, except very little of it was actually in the game Destiny. Instead, you had to go outside the game to find what were called Grimoire cards, which were these, um, it was basically like a Mass Effect Codex kind of thing that, that had all these um, entries about the places that you were visiting and the characters and, and all these you know, events that formed the basis of Destiny. And, and you couldn't read that stuff in the game. You had to go to a website. Uh, Bungie had them on its website, but there were a lot of uh, third-party websites that sprung up and, and, you know, made it easy for people to read. And it was ridiculous, right? It was just a ridiculous example of of, of how uh, not only how lackluster Destiny's story was in the actual game, but just the idea that you had to go outside of it to, to get the good stuff. The Grimoire is gone in Destiny 2, but more than that, the story is not something that you just play in the campaign and then there's kind of nothing after it that that you know you just you, you finish the campaign and then you're just shooting aliens with no context one of the main ways that bungie integrates storytelling into all of destiny 2 is through what's called adventures which is one of the new open world activities so when you're just doing what were known as patrol missions in destiny 1 you know you're just running around one of the four destinations like earth or nessus or whatever you're running around, and um, you'll come across these beacons in the world for uh, an adventure. An adventure is basically a side mission. It, you know, some some of them take like ten to fifteen minutes, and um, you know, one step of them might be akin to what a patrol mission was like in the original Destiny, except they're fully voiced with dialogue from you know your allies and whatnot, and they do a great job of layering in backstory and lore to to flesh out. The story of Destiny 2 and, and give you more context for what you're doing, for, you know, right in the game. And there's no loading, you know, the, these play out like patrol missions. So um, I think that's that's one of the ways that that Bungie did a, a much better job with that in Destiny 2. Uh, John wants to know: Does Destiny 2 feel like it does a better job of respecting the player's time than its predecessor? That's a question that we kind of can't answer just yet. Uh, you know, I've played 20 hours of it. That's what I played at the preview event. And, you know, I certainly got a bunch of loot. And I was getting loot at a regular pace, that you know, meaningful loot that raised my character's power level. But I never got any legendary drops. I mean, I, I finished uh, my playtime shortly after I, I reached level 20, which is the level cap in Destiny 2. Uh, you know, your XP level cap. Um, and so... I I don't really know about the long-term Destiny 2 grind. It's just impossible to say at this point because, because the game's not out yet. Well, it is out somewhere in, in the world, but not here when we're recording this. And so that is one of the big outstanding questions for me with Destiny 2 is is the, the progression and, and you know how things are gated by elements like the in-game currencies. So in this game, legendary shards are, are a big thing that you're going to need to earn and, and get by dismantling items, and then that's what you're going to spend uh, at at uh, vendors like Zor, the uh, the you know weekend vendor, the, the agent of the nine. So you back in the mix? He's back in the in the grind? Oh, 
Oh, he's back. Oh, he's back. And he's, his will is still not his own. <laughs> That's life. Sorry, sir. Um, uh, we have a, a ton of questions. I'm going to ask you to keep these answers short, Submit. I'll I'm try. just going to try to get through many of these as possible. Um, <clears throat> is there a, Matt wants to know, is there any way to ever see the face of my guardian? I spent hours tweaking like a hide helm mode in Dragon Age. I believe there's still the option to remove your helmet when you're in social areas, but as far as in the actual game world, in terms of when you're doing a mission or something, I'm pretty sure you have to keep your helmet on. I mean, come on, you're you're in space, right? There's no. It app. would just be reckless, yeah. folks. Think about it. Just use your brains. Uh, 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 less insufferable says, "I just want to say that was the best possible lead you could have written." And th- there you go. That that's just a compliment. Very that's kind. not a question. Thank you. Uh, how do the changes in matchmaking feel? Do they seem to make a difference for good or for bad? That's from Nate. That's something else that we couldn't test at the event. It was a very controlled environment. I mean, you know, we were playing just with each other or the, the 90 or so folks in that room, as far as I know. I don't think they were connecting us to, you know, like a whole bunch of testers at Bungie or whatever. And one of the big th- changes for Destiny 2, though, on the matching in front is this feature called Guided Games, where even though they're still not including matchmaking for high-level activities like um, the really difficult nightfall strikes or raids, um, there are uh, th- there's going to be this option called guided games where you know players can it sounds like players can sort of sherpa others through uh those high level activities but i I didn't get to try that uh let's see here uh uh, a question from me in one of the missions uh in homecoming that that we saw uh the only mission i guess uh, there was a moment where a character talked to you in the middle of the mission which is wild like and and it doesn't seem so revolutionary if you haven't played the game um, but, uh, that didn't really happen <laughs> in the first game. Is that a recurring thing? Like actual other people actually being with you, uh, while playing the mission? So far, it doesn't seem like that happens a whole lot. I, mean, I think you're referring to, you know, where you ran into Lord Shax Cade, and then, yeah, Cade Six and then Commander Zavala and Akora Ray over the course of that mission. I was hoping that that would be a, a harbinger, an indicator of a trend throughout the campaign, but the campaign is mostly still people uh, talking in your ear. There's a lot more of it, and, and the, the dialogue is well-written and and all that. But uh, in general, the, the only characters that you come across in the world that I've seen in the story missions that I've played so far are the um, individual vendors for each destination. So each, pl- uh, you know, quote-unquote planet has, uh, a, you know, a sort of, you know, leader or whatever who manages that planet, and you go to them and, and earn faction rep and stuff. Uh, Taylor wants to know, does the game just drop you in expecting you to already know the mechanics, or is there a pretty good tutorial for those new to the series? So, I think they started doing this in Destiny of the Taken King, if I recall correctly, but there are tool tips and, and you know, tutorial prompts and, well, not tutorial prompts per se, but, but you know, items or, or overlays that pop up and sort of tell you how to use abilities and and just the sort of basic stuff uh, in terms of how to play destiny so yeah if you are coming absolutely fresh and you've never played destiny one um they they sort of introduce concepts to you what is the number one if you had to pick one favorite resource to farm in destiny two like that's just for me is spin metal back so there are all new planetary resources to farm in destiny two so uh spin metal is not back Come on. R.I.P. Spin Metal. But uh, you will have 
uh, on Earth, I believe it's called uh, Dusklight Shard, uh, uh, like a piece of the you know the, the shard of the traveler or whatever. Um, and so uh, you know, there's that. I think the coolest one though is. I believe it's on Nessus. It's it's something like microphasic data lattice, which is just like this yes. this beautiful like sort of you know um, um, semi-crystalline, uh, just white kind of structure that's just floating in the world, and you have to collect it, and it's you know like energy or tech or or code or something. Samit, is there anything else you want to say about Destiny Two? I would say so far that um you know one of the one of the since we've been talking about things that I really like my main issue with it so far uh is that uh I didn't get a sparrow in my 20 hours ish of of playtime. Whoa. Uh that's the thing that if people play Destiny 1 they'll know this you know you get very early on uh, like it's like the fourth mission gives you a sparrow in Destiny 1. Here, instead, um, none of the missions I played give you one, and none of the vendors so far that I've met sell sparrows. And I talked to Bungie about that, and the idea behind the decision from them was that, you know, there's all this new stuff that they include in the world, like this feature called Lost Sectors, which are these semi-hidden offshoots of of the environment. And and they just said that, you know, they didn't want people just blasting by everything. And, And I get that, but when you're playing with friends, because after a certain point, you know, you'll unlock the ability to do that, it's really annoying if you don't have a sparrow and your buddies do, and they have to sort of either zoom ahead and wait for you to catch up or just leave you behind altogether. So that seems disappointing. Yeah. But, um, you know, one other thing that I, I will mention, speaking of, you know, we're talking a lot about players returning from the first game or coming new to Destiny 2, the story actually accounts for that. So... Um, it's subtle, but the dialogue will differ depending on whether you were importing a character in from Destiny 1 or are coming fresh to the world of Destiny 2. So we, at the preview, at the preview event, were playing with characters that they gave us that were, you know, sort of clean slate characters. We didn't, weren't importing our existing Destiny 1 characters. And so, you know, at different points in the story the dialogue from NPCs like Ghost or whoever would often explain certain elements of of the Destiny backstory. Like, you know, if if people played the Taken King, they've encountered these enemies called the Taken. But if you didn't play Destiny 1, you have no idea what the Taken are. And so, you know, Ghost will explain, like, the origin of the Taken. And it's it's short. It's not like all this exposition info dump or anything. But it's pretty subtle, and I think it's a good way for them to account for uh, you know, new players versus existing players. Cool. Well, Submit, thank you so much for talking with me about Destiny 2. I'm so excited to start playing it. Uh, and um, thank you to you for listening. If you want to see Submit's review, you can see it at polygon.com. Uh, I'm sure it will be placed prominently there for a good long while. A lot of folks are reading it and enjoying it. And uh, that is going to do it for this episode of the show so thank you again for listening please rate and subscribe to our show on itunes but until next week my name is justin mcelroy and thank you for listening to polygons quality control Mm -hmm.